What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The sport is just going to die if they don't break the designated hitter to the National League. We got fresh frozen <laughs> strawberry margaritas, and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. Yeah. I got a MF wagon. Like, <laughs> let's be real. The Washington Nationals are the world champions. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Uh, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny. And the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball. And if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Half Street High Heat. This is episode 88, and we have a good one for you. It is jam-packed. The hot stove is hot, hot, hot. So we have tons to talk about. I am Amanda. You can follow me on Twitter at awhite7877. You can follow my punctilious co-hosts, Nick and Ryan, at DCNatShack and at HalfShackCap. You can follow our digital media coordinator, OPT, at OnePursuitTakes. You can follow Monty, our blog contributor, at OnThePodSomeday, at on the pod someday and you can follow the show if you aren't already at half street high heat what's up fellas how you doing punctilious meaning i am uh grammatically correct uh mm. but not just grammatically correct i am always correct um yeah, it's been exactly what that means but we'll go with it it's been a week <laughs> um so i don't know why i mean this happens to everyone but for some reason, I've had like the same two songs stuck in my head over the uh, the past week, ten days, or whatever. One is "Sweet Virginia" by the Rolling Stones. It's a good um, one. It is a good one because I watched "Knives Out" and that movie uh, ends with that song. Play. And yeah, uh, just 
phenomenal song. And the other one was from a clip that went viral. It went viral a little bit ago, but I was like scrolling through uh, likes or DMs or whatever. And I found, so it's like this Irish bar and they're singing um, the song by uh, Savage Garden. I'll be your love. Yep, yep. I'll be your. Um, that's a soccer group. That video kills me. Oh, I love that. Um, oh God, what's the name of that song? Like truly, madly, deeply, or whatever. Yeah, truly, madly, yeah. deeply. And so I'm just like singing. I like I'll be in the other room and I'll just like belt it out like they do. <laughs> uh, so those two songs have been like alternating back and forth in my head all week, and both of them are just absolute jams. Like I've, I literally made a play like a new playlist on spotify and so far those are the only two songs on it (laughs) (laughs) do you have a song that like is your go-to if you have something stuck in your head that you don't want there that you can sing and it will like clear out whatever was stuck there before usually um so i don't know if you've ever seen the movie the replacements Um, yeah of course usually i sing i will survive uh because Uh i know all the words of that song from that movie so usually that's like my go-to. That's good. We should do a poll for people or a uh, maybe just a question on Twitter on the on the Half Street High Heat account because I would love to know what people do. My go-to is Kung Fu Fighting. That one oh, does classic. it for me every time. If something's stuck in my head, I sing Kung Fu Fighting, and that is firmly stuck in my head, and the other thing is Long Gone. I've had... I've had two songs stuck in my head all week. Also, Nick and I have so much in common. Oh, you God. guys are twinsies. Um, I married every- the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> every Euphoria episode I watch, I had a new song stuck in my head, but like the second special episode came out and it's um, Liability by Lord. And then Driver's License has also been stuck in my head. So you can say that like I'm going through this week. I'm having a really emotional week because both those are like pretty heavy songs. I don't um, know either of those songs. Oh, great songs. Get on TikTok. <laughs> um, but like whenever I have a song stuck in my head, I just go on TikTok because every TikTok has a different song in it. So it's just right out right away. Highly recommend it. Fantastic. Green Light so by Lord, it- also a very good song. Great song. How about the Sea Shanty song, the Wellerman that everyone's been oh, singing? That, that one is a pretty, that's an that, earworm. That gets that, stuck in That your one head. got me for like a whole day, but then I, um, I like forgot the words the next day. So, <laughs> and then, but no, that one, that definitely worth mentioning because that was phenomenal you know. yeah it's awesome we put it on the um on the tv so the kids could see it and they were singing it for days and my daughter kept making me sing it to her as her bedtime song and i was like i don't know the words what are <laughs> i don't know this song this is so i don't even know what it is it's not technically a sea shanty if you read the article i sent you ryan a sea shanty is a different thing well i know all about sea shanties and <laughs> so sea do you. shanties um i love seashell and seashell, seashell things, things. Sell, um, Sally sells seashells on the seashore. No, have you guys heard the Woodchuck War Cry song? You no. say it all the time, but I don't <laughs> know the, the reference, the source material. It is, it is very, very deep in meme world. It's like a level, like, it's like Z, like double Z. It is so deep in meme world. <laughs> I found one person who understands it. I am literally saying this. If anyone listens to this, if they understand the Woodchuck war cry meme, please let me know. Cause I need someone else. Cause these are absolutely amazing. All right. I'm going to ask my 20 year old son who is, tells me that all the time. I'll see some meme and I'm like, what's that? And he's like, you couldn't possibly understand. <laughs> it. Like, okay, fine. He's like, it would take me so long to even begin to explain to you why that's funny. And I'm like, okay, whatever, dude. (laughs) So I'll ask him, would Chuck war cry mean? 
Woodchuck War Cry. Yes. Okay. I'm going to text him right now while we're recording and see what he says. All I'm right. going to be dead, like middle of a weekend review and just completely pivot. <laughs> Priorities, right? Yeah. All right. Let me text him here while we're talking. Okay. Speaking of the weekend review, do we have anything else we need to tell each other about our weeks before we move on to our weekend review? Or is song stuck in our head the extent of our weeks? No, you'll, you'll hear me singing some in the background, but I think it'll add a nice uh, ambiance to the pod. Oh, I do too. That sounds lovely. All right. Why don't you uh, give us the weekend review, Ryan? Yeah. What a busy, busy week in baseball it was. The sports world came together to mourn the passing of Hank Aaron this week. Words cannot describe the impact Hank had on the game of baseball and the impact he had on players across not only just baseball, but all sports leagues in the world itself. The Braves announced that they are going to have the numbers 44 across the outfield. The Brewers also are going to wear 44 patches on their sleeves. The Falcons and the Atlanta FC soccer team announced that they are going to retire the number 44 for the entire 2021 and 2022 seasons. Many people want Major League Baseball to retire 44 league-wide as well. The Players Association declined the MLB's offer for a universal DH and expanded playoffs this year. The proposal also had service time adjustments and automated strike zones and spring training. Players declined because they believe expanded playoffs will diminish contract values for them. Also, players know and understand that the DH is the largest bargaining chip that they have in the negotiations about the CBA, and they're not going to concede on that until the negotiations happen after this season. The Cactus League wrote a letter asking for the start of spring training to be delayed due to the prevalence of COVID in Maricopa County. The Player Association said they could not decide when players report without players' consent. The PA said that they are going to report on time and the season should start on time. But the, the correct question to ask here is, should they actually be reporting on time? Reports of, from The Athletic state that Major League Baseball is targeting Portland, Charlotte, Montreal, and Vegas for expansion. There is a lot of moves this week. We're going to talk in a little bit, but there are some I'm going to talk about here because the bulk of it revolves around the Mets. And I love my favorite, favorite soap opera in the league, Keeping Up With The Mets. The New York Mets GM, Jared Porter. Um, when he was hired, they talked about how great his character was. He was fired this week for sending explicit texts to a woman reporter. He sent 62 text messages in a row, including unsolicited photos. 12 hours after the report, he was fired. This is the second employee in two straight years who was fired before ever seeing opening day as a Met employee. Mets will not fill the position until next offseason. The Mets were reportedly close to an agreement with Brad Hand. Multiple sources said the deal was very close, and everyone thought it was going to happen. Well, it hit a snag. And yesterday, it was announced that Brad Hand took a one-year deal with the Washington Nationals. They were the snag. Mets were also seen as the front-runner for George Springer. They're the richest owner in sports. They wouldn't lose out, they said. They lost out. George Springer took a contract with the Mets, I'm sorry, with the Blue Jays, and he's the first $100-plus million contract. Um, apparently, the Mets are also the most serious contenders for Bauer, which means he will not sign there, and many in the industry believe that they will land Chris Bryant, which means 
they will not get Chris Bryant. In other news, Yankees salary dump Adam Adovito uh, um, to the Boston Red Sox for a rare trade between them. The Pirates continue their unreal teardown as they move Jameson Tyon to the Yankees for four prospects. And there's a whole, whole ton of moves that we're going to get to shortly. This has been your Week in Review, brought to you part by your local neighborhood Chili's. And remember, one tequila, two, two tequila, three tequila, pour. This month's $5 margarita at Chili's is the tequila trifecta. So make sure you stop on by or order online and get yourself this amazing $5 margarita. This has been your Week in Review. Yeah, that's a lot to go over, and it doesn't even include most of the hot stove review <laughs> that we're going to go over next. Yeah, just a ton going on. That uh, The Mets GM story is just so vile. It makes me so angry. It's and, a freaking uh, predator. It's, yeah. it's so, and then there was that one reporter who said, when you got all these glowing reviews of his character, did you talk to any women? And they said, and they he, said and, no. No, and I'm like, yeah, maybe, maybe that's a thing you could try. Is like ask the women who work for someone what they think before you hire them. I don't know. Yeah, you would think that would, you know, go through someone's mind, but clearly it's not. Yeah, you we're know, not there yet, clearly. Yeah, because they, you know, I think if I'm remembering correctly, if it was Sandy Alderson or someone, I don't think it was Steve Cohen, but whoever um, hired Jared Porter said, you know, we, we vetted him basically as like a defense. And right. then that, that's where that comment came up where I, I can't remember the reporter's name where she asked the, the source, did you, you know, vet any women or ask any women uh, about Jared Porter? And they said, no, it's just like, then you, you didn't vet them. Right. So you and try- I think that just needs to become part of the process because oh, there are so many. And absolutely. it's, you know, it's funny and I don't know, shocked isn't the right word, but like I, I don't even know how to describe it. Like the way this, this pisses me off. It's, it's like, it's the latest 2021. In a long line of yeah. It's like, you just, too long. you keep thinking it's going to change, you know, like eventually it's going to change. Like this can't keep going on forever. And I can tell you, you know, I'm 43 years old. I joined the army when I was 18 and I can tell you it's bad. Like, I don't know if right. it's as bad now as it was then, but it's bad the way that like the sexual harassment and the stuff that goes on and the stuff that, I remember Britt Giroli wrote a really great article yep. about her experiences, which we'll, we can get into in a second. But one thing she wrote in her article that, that rang so true to me was about how, especially when you're younger or you're new in a career and you're trying not to make waves, like so many women have to do this thing where they pretend that like, somebody hits on them or does something inappropriate and, and you have to be the one. Yeah. You have to act like it's no big deal. You have to be ultra nice to make sure you don't upset them when mm-hmm. they're the ones who should be you just they just upset you you know what I mean but you have to play this game and I just I was thinking to myself when I read this story like I can't believe nothing's changed in all those years that it's still the same crap and I look at my little girls who are five and three and think to myself god damn it I hope that it changes for them like I hope they don't have to do this they don't have to live with that and and just you know it's funny you almost get to the point where you really don't think it's a big deal like it's it's such a part of everything that you you become like desensitized yeah desensitized to it and i'm not like a complain about that kind of stuff person at all but it was so bad back then and i just thought to myself when the story broke like it's one in such like you you said it perfectly nick it's this long line of this crap that goes on and on and on and on and i was thinking back about when the harvey weinstein story broke about 
was it Mira Sorvino, who had basically been blackballed out of Hollywood because right. she refused to sleep with Harvey Weinstein. It's like, it's, and it reminded me of this poor woman who had this happen to her from Jared Porter, who isn't even in the industry anymore. She freaking left the industry because of this crap. Like, she gave up her dreams and her career because right. some asshole, pardon my French, decided he thought she was good looking and wanted to sexually harass her. It's in infuriating it's infuriating and i can't believe it's still going on and i don't know what the answer is but like i said i just hope that when my little girls are big girls they don't have to deal with this crap yeah um and it was just you know like the mets are all about a new era you know they're the will ponds are out cohen's in you know Mm -hmm. alderson's back but it's going to be different this time oh we got a new hotshot gm and jared porter um, but really it hasn't changed. But to their credit, they canned him immediately. And I'm glad that was one oh, yeah. thing that was hurting. Um, they, they had the, they had the correct response for sure, but you can't, you know, my, my point was they, as soon as the news broke, they, their first statement, you know, was fine, but they included the portion about, oh, we vetted him. Yeah. Like stop making like, excuses. Really you, really you didn't. You didn't. <laughs> really you didn't. The the defense you tried to make ended up biting you in the ass because it turned out you didn't vet him. And I so, hope that this incident will maybe throughout not and it's not just sports either. And it's not right. just the military. It's everywhere. It's every industry where, you know, young women especially are put in those positions. And I think that if this incident serves any purpose, maybe it will be that when big hires are made, people say, hey, we need to go find the women that worked in his organization with him and talk mm-hmm. to them and be like, who is this guy? Because the people the, the people who are under you, the people who are weaker than you, the people who are going to be afraid to rat you out when they work for you, those are the people you need to talk to. Like, you need to know to know who a person really is. You know what I mean? And I really, really hope that that maybe this this will push things in that direction a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I certainly hope so. It's like it's like the Washington football team when the one yeah. <laughs> girl came out to the Washington Post, everyone else followed suit because they had yep. the confidence to doing it. So you really hope this is the one because sixty-two text messages and like they're that's all, creepy as hell. What is creepy, wrong with you? It was weird, weird selfies and like just inappropriate pictures. And I was absolutely dying yeah. at the way ESPN did the blur. And I was like, "This man's a freak. Y'all did this right. on purpose." And I absolutely respect it. And it's gross. And I'm glad he got fired. I'm glad it was very quick. I hope he and never works in baseball again. I was oh, going to say, I hope he never works for sports at, ever again. And I hope the rest of his life is miserable. Yeah. yeah, because what you did is so, and it's one thing too. Like you, you, I saw that stuff, and I'm like, sixty-two unanswered text messages. Like, if you're a idiot teenager, you should know it's inappropriate to keep texting a girl sixty-two times if she's not responding to you. If she's not responding to you, she's not interested. Like that is a response. Do you know what I mean? Like not responding to you after a whole bunch of text messages is a response. Like this was a grown man. Like what in the world is wrong with him? It's insane to me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess some credit to the Mets for addressing it swiftly because Ryan just alluded to, uh, you know, the Washington football team and the long history of uh, misconduct there, and that owner's still in place. So hopefully, God, I wish you know, they would tar and feather him and run him out right. of town. On a Even Royal, though the Mets are a division rival, I hope you know this is a sign of things to come, and that organization organization is run, um, you know, Better. with a high character. Um, yeah, better, they have nowhere to go sure. but up. Yeah, that that's for sure. So, 
Yeah. So anyway, sorry to hijack the conversation, but I just needed to touch on that one. No, it's absolutely. Been, it's been driving me nuts all week. I couldn't wait to talk about it on the on the well, podcast. Well, that's what this just, pod is for. You know, you yeah. air it out. It's the air same it space. out. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, well, that one enraged me. So let's talk a little bit about the actual moves that have been made. We've been we've been bitching for weeks about how slow everything is, and all of a sudden things went crazy this week. We've got I don't know like twenty transactions to talk about so let's start with the biggest one biggest piece that came off the board this week was george springer to the blue jays not the mets for six years 150 million dollars thoughts love it absolutely love it um for you know uh multiple reasons one he didn't sign with the mets um two he signed with the blue jays and we saw this you know in part like I'm not gonna credit Manny Machado a ton because he got absolutely paid. So yes, you know, did. obviously, if anyone throws that contract in front of you, you're more than likely gonna take it if they're the only one to do so. But you know, he started that, you know, because obviously he wanted to win, um, and he wanted to get paid, but he wanted to win. But he joined the Padres at a time where the Padres were not what they are now, and you know, George Springer just happened to be a free agent. At the time, you know, the Blue Jays are looking up. So, you know, um, you know, that's not quite the same thing, but they're not the big market. They're not the World Series favorite. You know, they were, f- what, fourth? Yeah, fourth in the division last year. And, you know, didn't make the playoffs and then expanded playoffs here. So, you know, it's not a, a sure thing. But, you know, he, to his credit, he, he signed there. He could have, you know, settled for... 10 million less and signed with the Mets who are, you know, in a more competitive spot, but he signed with the Blue Jays, you know, that young upcoming team, up incoming team. And I think for someone like George Springer coming from a team like the Astros and all the, the scandal and controversy that surrounded him there, I think the Blue Jays presented a great opportunity for him to kind of rewrite his narrative. He's not going to be a hall of famer. He's not going to be, you know, one of the all-time greats, but people are still going to remember him because that Astros thing is always going to be something that comes up. Yep. And he he was a key part of that team. So, you know, he gets this opportunity with the second part of his career to help this young, exciting, hotshot team and, you know, do so, I guess in theory, in the right way. You know, he gets the chance to be a part of something, you know, clean the right way I clean guess for lack of yeah. a better and phrase just, it's yeah. just like a fresh start not Something that he pure. <laughs> right not that he couldn't have done that with the Mets but you know being in New York being in the spotlight it's it's a lot different you know we've seen the best of the best fail in New York under the bright lights aren't they gonna play in Buffalo again aren't they a New York team now I think I, I think like... so well <laughs> yes but you know you know what I mean Major I know market. what you mean I know so, I, I love this move I love that the Blue Jays are spending I love that he didn't go to the Mets I love it for George Springer because I do get the feeling that he wasn't as active as a, of a participant in that whole thing. So I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love it in, in every, you know, in every sense. Brian, what are your thoughts? I mean, I think it's great. He's not going to the Mets. Um, <laughs> yes, that's the, the best part. I think this was the fourth largest contract. Someone signed after turning 30. These contracts typically don't do very well, but is a, good signal to the team like nick was talking about the padres and machado um they're a young team they're going to be good and i honestly think with this lineup 
they do have a shot at the East right now because the East is rather wide open. Mm-hmm. Um, Yankees pitching's bad. Red Sox, guy only knows what they're doing. So yeah, I think it was a really good. It's a really good signing, and it's a signal to the fans and to baseball saying we're ready. And, and that's not all they did either. They've been very active. Yeah. Um, they signed Kirby Yates, so one year, five point five million. Fantastic buy low candidate. There's no such thing as a bad one year deal. Um, if he hits, their bullpen's fantastic. If he doesn't, who cares? It's one year deal. And they also signed Tyler Chatwood, so they're going for pitching. They know pitching is a big thing. Um, I would like to see them to get Bauer. I don't think they have the money for it, but getting someone like him would go a long way. If they get Bauer, they would probably be on the best teams in the AL. But they've had a fantastic offseason. They're one of like three teams who's actually trying. Yep. Yeah, so George Springer, Kirby Yates, Tyler Chatwood, that's a lot. That's a lot to do. And you, and you know what I noticed as we went through and looked at these um, as we were getting ready for the pod tonight is uh, a lot of one-year deals around the league. A lot. I mean, I think that the teams are unsure about revenue and we're seeing CBA. a ton of, yeah, the CBA is coming up. And yeah, it's just interesting to see so many one-year deals, especially as we get towards the close of the winter here and, and the season is looming. And a lot of guys, it seems like, have just decided, screw it. Let me sign a one-year or two-year deal and just have a job and see what happens. Okay, speaking of to the Blue Jays, Michael Brantley, but not. <laughs> he went he went back to the Astros. Two years, 32 million. This was really interesting because Rosenthal reported it. Um, Heyman reported it. Passon reported it. Fison reported it. Yeah, and, all and the big guys. And the MLB Twitter account literally tweeted it. So everyone was talking about how great their lineup's going to be. The Blue Jays are unreal. Like this team's stacked. And all of a sudden, it was, hold on. It's not a done deal. Something hit a snack. And we're like, oh, okay. And everyone's like, oh, they want to trade for a pitcher before they, they make this final. Well, the snag was that his home team came in and offered them freaking $16 million a year. Um, yeah. And that's what the snag was. So, yeah, he ended up with the Astros. The Astros needed – they couldn't lose both of them. Um, their lineup would have been rather poopy. So good <laughs> Rather poopy. He's a pure hitter. And, yeah, that was a really I good wanted job. him on the Nats. I wanted him on the Nats. He would have been nice. He would have been nice to have. But yeah, I think yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Like who's left out there for that right-handed bat they need. So we'll get to that in our Nats bat segment. But yeah, um, I think you know one thing we are overlooking, and I think us three are guilty of it. But just you know, baseball Twitter, baseball fans in general is that the fact that the Astros are still going to be players. Like, just because they have all this, you know, stuff still kind of looming over them doesn't mean they're just going to roll over and, like, give up. So this was kind of uh, a wake-up call to that fact that, you know, they're not just going to let their best players leave. So, uh, yeah, no, I get it. But, uh, yeah, it was a weird situation. And plus we got the reports about how Brantley and Springer are really, really close. And Springer wanted the Blue Jays to go after Brantley. Yeah, they wanted um, to go together. So it just seemed like it made a lot of sense, which I think, like Ryan said, everyone reported it. But yeah. you know, it was one of those weird I things. I thought it was going to be like Brady and Gronk style, like they were riding off yeah, the sunset some, together. Yeah, something like that. Know? But Ken Rosenthal is down bad this week, man. Yeah, he got just – totally wrong on like three or four different tweets but i wonder who the source was with the blue jays like he must have talked to every damn reporter and told them it was a done deal and everybody got burned on that one 
Yeah, it must have been a good source because everyone everyone did it. Yeah, yeah, like, they were all comfortable MLB, enough to report it. MLB tweeted it, like right. It was and a damn good source. Someone like Passan isn't going to tweet it just because someone like Rosenthal tweeted it. Like Passan's going to check his source to verify before he tweets. Like that's the way it works outside of John Heyman. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it must have been a good source. And Nightingale apparently. Yeah, <laughs> him too. Yeah, I keep uh, I keep sending messages to Jeff Passan to come on our podcast. So far, no cha- no uh, no response, but I'll keep you guys posted. At least so want him to roast me. I know, right? I would like him to. Yeah, he's he's so funny on Twitter. He's one of my favorite follows. So if we ever manage to pull that coup off, I will. Uh, I'll let you guys know. Never anyway, let's keep going. Um, Austin Romine to the Cubs, one year, one and a half million. I have nothing on this one. That I don't really care about it. Yeah, yeah I, I know. It didn't I move put, the needle for me. I'm like, oh, okay. I only put this one in there <laughs> in the Jason Castro back to the Astros move or to the Astros move just because they're backup oh, catchers. Um, and those are two prospective players out for the Nats potential bid for a catcher. So I just yeah. thought it was worth mentioning. But yeah, there's no really notes on them. There's not a lot left on the board for that because yeah. it's not going to be real Muto after the hand sign. Tyler Flowers listed. and like Alex Avila are like the only two. Ones. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, who else we got? Jose Quintana to the Angels for one year, eight million. It's gonna he be was... a real shame if this is all the Angels do to address their pitching. <laughs> yeah. And he wasn't even good. Like he he was not good with the Cubs. He was good in Chicago, went to the Cubs, and he sucked. And this like, is the the definition of a pedestrian move right here. He's the guy like the advanced metrics love and the advanced metrics swear he's good when he's not. <laughs> He's not good. Um, Are you going to believe the metrics or your lion eyes? Like, what do you? It's a good move because they literally have no pitching, but they're in on Bauer. They really need Bauer. If they get Bauer and him, that go really. Bauer makes so much sense to the Angels. I still think that's. I think that's where he's going to wind up. Bauer also wants to pitch every fourth day. Like he's a nutcase dude. So you know, someone like the Angels who kind of lack pitching depth, that's not the worst idea. I know it's a good point for them. That might actually get a little bit more bang for your buck that way. I don't hate it. Okay, um, J.A. Happ to the Twins, one year, $8 million. Same deal Quintana got with the Angels. This just screams uh, J.A. Happ starting game three of the NLDS where the Twins inevitably lose and get Lose to the Yankees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Archie Bradley to the Phillies, one year, $6 million. Uh, um, he, <laughs> is, he is um, – he's funny. He, he changes uh, – Twitter pick from free agent or was like unemployed to the Phillies logo and like his first tweet was signed JT. I'm like, there you go, man. <laughs> so I like started. it. I love a little personality. Um, I do too. Yeah, There's so funny. many baseball players with no personality at all. It's nice to see some. I don't I don't have his numbers in front of me, but I know they're actually pretty decent. He's decent, yeah. He was he was successful in Arizona before Arizona put the dehumidifiers in. And if you can pitch a lot. in Arizona successfully, you're a good pitcher. Their bullpen is absolute garbage. Their entire pitching staff is garbage, so it's a good move. Um, they needed someone or anything, and they got a good guy. But to their credit, they've been trying to revamp their bullpen. Like they, they got the guy from Tampa out. One of the you know the guys that was an opener in Tampa who has been decent. Um, so they're you know they're trying, but you know that bullpen was almost as bad if not worse than the Nats was to start 2019 so no way to go up up. His, yeah I'm just pulled up his numbers in 2020 he's got let's see looks like Toronto 16 games 
he pitched to a 295 ERA. 10 games with Arizona, he pitched to a 422. And then six games in Cincinnati, he pitched to a 1.17. Solid. Yeah, solid. Another one I'm not looking, I wish they, you know, didn't improve their bullpen. So there you go. Because it's the Phillies. Okay, Alex Wood to the Giants. One year, three million. That's cheap. That one struck me going, wow, only three million. I would have liked this to uh, for the Nats to jump on. Yeah, I, think I would have he, liked that for the he Nats. He actually too. signed before Lester, if I'm not mistaken. He did. Um, and I was like, damn, if it was only three million, I would have really liked Alex Wood. Because it seemed like... You know, we're, we were talking about advanced metrics. It seemed like he was always doing better than his numbers showed. And I say that with just, you know, no digging deeper whatsoever. Uh, but for $3 million and a one-year deal, like Ryan said earlier, there's no such thing as a bad one-year deal. And for $3 million, I mean, you're paying bench guys less than that. So I feel like he could have been solid, but we essentially got the same thing in John Lester, who's a little bit more proven. So, you know, not the worst thing in the world. No, certainly not the worst thing in the world. Okay, looks like we've got a couple more here. Um, Profar, back to the Padres, three years, $21 million. No, I was just, I was just reaction? pulling up his numbers. Um, oh. The Padres continue to keep adding. Their roster is deep. They're deep position, and they're deep in um, the pitching staff. Bring him back was an absolute fantastic move. Their roster is good. Like, it's really annoying because basically, like, every man up on the 26-man roster is going to be good this year, which is a pretty good stat for them because they were a couple of years ago. They're legit contenders in the NL. Um, and their front office that's seen this market and teams not being very aggressive. And they're making their moves mainly in trades, but they're seeing their chance and they're making their moves. And um, I love everything to do in this offseason. Yep. I mentioned it last week. I mentioned it when they signed uh, that shortstop from Japan. They are not going, they're not just going for pitching, which is what they needed. They are going for depth. This team is legit and it's more than, you know, just the, the random team that makes that one big splash and thinks they're legit. Like the Padres are being thorough and I Mm -hmm. love it. That's the word. That's the perfect word. Thorough. They're not just doing a one and done, hey, we made a big signing that gets the fans excited and puts butts in seats. They're like actually building for a winning team for years in the future, which is just awesome to watch. Yep. All right. Who's next? Kike Hernandez to the Red Sox. Two years, 14 million. This is another one I I would have liked the Nats to have jumped on. Um, But at the same time, it seemed like Kike really wanted to find a spot where he could start rather than being that utility guy that he's been, you know, pretty successful in. Um, so I think he's found out with the Red Sox because Dustin Joy is still hurt and they don't really have a second baseman, so it seems like he'll slot in there. Um, but, you know, I like this move. A lot of these guys I would have liked on the Nats, but I'm not, like, heartbroken that they signed elsewhere. Yeah, that makes sense. I just, uh, I don't, I just don't know what the Red Sox are doing. Like, it, it's weird. It's really interesting because... They got their new GM who's from Tampa, and you know how he operates. He's going to operate like a small Sell. market, and he's still doing that, and he's selling, and he's trying to get like these small guys with the same formula. Trade at the deadline, I guess? 
I don't think he's realized that he's in an absolute massive market that has a lot of freaking money and he doesn't need to operate like that. Um, Kike is a good move, doesn't move the needle. And then he gives $10 million to Garrett Richards. Garrett Richards is only like his agent. Jesus. Right. I know you said that on Twitter. Like, I would like Garrett Richards' agent immediately to represent me, please. He has only pitched 198 innings over the last five years. Dude's never healthy. Um, they did the weird salary swap with Adam Adovino. So, like, okay, so yeah. they are taking on salary, but why are you going to trade for a 35-year-old who's washed? Basically, all these moves are kind of what I think, like, the Nats also have in the back of their mind. They're making moves. If they hit, that's good. If not, they're going to sell them off for the trade deadline. It's mm-hmm. it's very interesting. It is that that Adam Adovino thing was just like what? Weird like, to see the all, Yankees shed salary too. Yeah, and to trade somebody in, div- in division is is weird. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's always weird no matter who you are. But basically, he was on a three year, twenty seven million dollar deal with the Yankees, and he's got just about nine million. It was pretty much a straight nine million per year. So he they're going to be paying him nine million dollars this year. So yeah, interesting. Been- They've been trying to get rid of him for a while. Like they've, the Yankees have been very, very frustrated with Adovino. Um, I've been reading that from a lot of the reporters and everything. So this was a move coming, and I feel like, excuse me, they basically just send him off to the first team who's buying, and that was the Red Sox. All right. Well, speaking of trades, the Yankees also acquired um, is it Jamison Tyon from the Pirates at one year, two point two five million, and he's so he's got one year, two point two five million left, and then he's a free agent after twenty twenty two. It's um, I don't know his name, um, but the Pirates' new GM, very like he has a plan, which is nice. Like we talked about with the Nats. Prior to them making, you know, these last couple moves they've made, uh, pick a lane, you know, either sell off or compete. And with the Pirates, you know, they still had some desirable assets. You know, Josh Bell, uh, we saw Joe Musgrove last week, and now Jameson Tyon. Had being the operative word in that sentence. (laughs) But um, the Pirates GM has acquired 14 prospects from those three trades. Yeah. So, you know, I, I... it's not the direction I wanted for them because the pirates were fun when they were like, you know, that 97 win team with Garrett Cole and all that stuff. And that wasn't too terribly long ago. And now they're just like even worse than the Orioles, which is hard to watch. Um, but, but they're let, doing it right. And I that's like the thing that they're making yeah. or picking a lane now. That's, that's yeah. they're point. doing it the right way. You don't, don't, Go for mediocrity. If you're going to do a rebuild, sell everything that's not nailed down and pick up, you know, stuff your farm system with prospects, and then you can try to compete again. But if you never have that rebuild, you can't, you can't get out of the, the mediocre zone, you know, and, and while it is hard to watch and it sucks for the fans, I'm sure, like, and it's going to be us crying in our beers in a few years probably, but, um, you know, watching them do it is, it's good. It's a good thing. And I know that it's going to be a tough few years for them, but I think when they come out the other side of it, they're going to have, they're going to be fun to watch again. Yeah. And like we saw, you know, the race formula can work. It's not the most ideal, you know, formula. We've seen the athletics try to do it, you know, since 2002 without much success. And, you know, we saw the Rays do it in a shortened season last year. I mean, they made the world series in what, 2008 as well. So like it can happen. But, you know, this is the way it starts, basically. Yeah. 
Got to start somewhere. Mm. Okay, let's see. We've got one more. Pablo Sandoval signed a minor league <laughs> deal with the Braves. One year, $1 million. I call this the Ryan Zimmerman deal. One year, $1 million. Yeah. It is the funniest move of the offseason. Panda. Uh, excuse me. Panda. 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 Big ass stomach are never going anywhere. He is literally going to eat players because he's huge and he sucks. So this is a fantastic move. Best move the Braves have made all offseason. Keep it up. He reminds all me right. of Kirby from like the N- Nintendo games. <laughs> I don't know if that's mean or not, but maybe it's what it I reminds think. me. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a weird one. I don't know why. I don't know why anybody signed Pablo Sandoval. It, it sort of baffles me, but I guess we'll see what happens, if anything. Yeah. All right. So before we get to our more Nats specific content, a couple more things we want to touch on. And that is that um, apparently the league made an offer to the players union um, offering the DH in exchange for the expanded playoffs and they rejected it. So as of now, there is no universal DH woohoo, and no expanded playoffs. So they seem to be doing the same crap they did last year, which is let's get into a standoff right before the season starts and see if we can delay the start of the season and have everything suck well the good news is this won't impact the start of the season um it's just annoying because like there's players who really need to know if there's going to be a dh or not and the teams Uh, need to know when they're making their signing decisions exactly but the players aren't going to give them leeway on this this is a massive bargaining chip all of this and the negotiations that we're going to see is about leverage. And the players have the leverage because of the universal DH. The owners want it, and Rob Manfred wants it. The owners, the players are not going to cave on this unless it's something they love. And they don't want expanded playoffs just because they think it devalues their contracts, and they think teams are going to be less likely to spend big. So they know that, and they're not going to cave. They also know that the DH is coming. So we're going to go without the DH for one year. The DH will be here in 2022. When we get the DH in the CBA, the players will get a big one out of it. They're going to conceive on the DH when it's something that benefits them because the owners want it bad. So I understand why they didn't do it. It's annoying that they turned it down, but this is all about the negotiations and they need that leverage. Yeah, absolutely. And Amanda, I I know you say woohoo and like we've gone back and forth on this for years now and this, you know, news on its own can last a whole 30 minute segment. But, you know, this hurts the Nats, quite frankly. You know, we have been in yep. the mar- the market for uh, you can say that about that- all. Yeah, yeah, I'm just trying to like tie it, you know, nice little neat bow on it. But um, it it definitely hurts the Nats and hurts a lot of teams and a a lot of players. But as Ryan said, you know, the players, it's not that they don't want it. It's just it's what they have as far as leverage goes. And they're not going to concede it unless they get a better deal from the league because they know the league is more than capable of giving them the deal that they want. I know. It just sucks to see this gamesmanship again going oh, into this sucks. season. Like, I'm so sick of it. I'm just pay, just play baseball. Just go out and play baseball. You guys can negotiate the CBA when it's time to negotiate the CBA. I'm just so sick of this crap. Yep. Um, anyway. The biggest thing here is to no expand the playoffs. Because on paper, you can, on paper, you, you can put down that it's going to be the Dodgers. The, Bra- the Dodgers, Braves, Mets, Padres. 
in the NL Central. That's all five playoff teams. That doesn't bode well for the Nats. Games are not played on paper, but the Nats are going to be fighting for that playoff spot. And as of right now, when you look at it, they're on the outside looking in, they have a tough path to the playoffs. If it was expanded playoffs, I'd feel better. But no expanded playoffs really hurts the Nats this year. We also, you know, historically have seen teams give up at, you know, June way before the deadline even hits. Whereas like last year, you know, yes, shortened season and much easier to gain ground, but expanded playoffs, you saw teams, you know, like the Marlins, like, uh, you know, the White Sox, the, I guess the White Sox are more on top, but, you know, the Blue Jays, you saw them all making moves, whereas in a normal season, they wouldn't have. So like, I get, you know, when you factor in contracts and stuff, um, why expanded playoffs might be a bad thing, but I also don't love it. I wish, I hope it's a, it ex, it's expanded six teams next year. Um, I think that's the, the happy medium, but the five teams thing, just, it, it decentivizes competitiveness, quite frankly. Yeah. Well, I actually really liked the expanded playoffs, which was, it made, I don't think I'd want to expand it quite so much, but it was fun to see more teams get in and teams you didn't necessarily expect. So that was definitely something I wouldn't mind seeing stick around for show all right um before we move on to the nats bat segment i did just want to we already you talked uh ryan in the we can review about hank aaron having passed away and i mean you could we could do a whole show just about hank aaron and how unbelievable he was um another big uh name passed away this week too that didn't get quite as much attention which was don sutton Mm -hmm. Um, And there was a really great article in the Washington Post. I figured I would just read a little bit of it here for our our listeners in case they hadn't seen it or didn't know who Don Sutton was. was, um, He accumulated 324 wins and 3,574 strikeouts over a 23-year career, 16 of them with the Dodgers. Yeah, decent. Um, He died. He was 75. Um, Anyway, he was pretty amazing. Uh, 324. Four and two fifty six over his career with a three two six ERA. Um, says he led his league in WHIP four times during an era when no one had heard of WHIP, <laughs> and finished in the in the top five in Cy Young voting five times, and his strikeout total ranks seventh all time. So he was amazing. Another loss for baseball. It was a really tough week for losing the losing the old greats. Yep, um, I hadn't heard too much about the. Uh... Um, movement to retire number 44 but I think that's something that really should be considered I would um, love to see that just retire at league uh, you know across both leagues yeah like that'd be amazing you know, they, they have the ability to do that I mean just of course they do I, I, I think you know if you're going to do that I get you're not going to do it for everyone Jackie Robinson yes obviously you have to but Hank Aaron is up there in terms of deserving that sort of respect. Honor, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I would love that. I would love that, too. I would love to see that. When you read the stories, you know, everybody knows what the world was like at the time that that was going on and kind of the way, especially in the South where he played, people didn't want to see him break the home run record. But, man, when you read some of the stories about what he went through, I won't get into it too much here because we've already got a packed show. But, you know, I recognize would recommend to everybody who's listening go out and read some of what he he told he talked about later and the things that were going on while he was what should have been the most fun time of his career and you know he's getting death threats against him and his kids it's just awful just awful but 
so rest in peace, Hank Aaron, one of the all-time greats. It's a sad, sad time for baseball. Okay, let's move on and get to our Nats, um, Nats bat segment. First thing is Nats officially have signed Lester to, John well, Lester to, yeah. Breaking news? Well, it's not breaking news. Oh. It's, not, it's not official. The team has not announced it. He still has not yet. Oh, I thought you were saying here they officially did it. They didn't still? No, no, no. Mm. So we know how much it is, but they still haven't done it. Maybe um, he hasn't done his physical? There's belief that he has to get a second opinion on something. Oh. Yeah, but I don't know. It's interesting. We haven't gotten it yet. But yeah, yeah, it's so. just it's just it's interesting. It's not necessarily anything, but it's not necessarily not anything either. So um, we also, you know, Ryan, we finally found out how much money he's getting. I know. So look at that. <laughs> I know you did say if we didn't know by this week, you were going to be you were going to be uh, pretty pissed. So Ed it's Hunt. good. It, it it's just, good. It, it we don't have to endure Ryan's wrath because he knows how much John Lester's getting paid. Five million. And you'll be shocked to hear three million of it is deferred. So That's two million what this killed year. me. That's, That's embarrassing. Okay. It's a like I get you know you're trying to save money you like you're a little bit tight this year and you're still trying to make moves pa- after Lester, um, but deferring half more than half of a five million dollar contract just killed me. It may actually That's make me happy because me. when I read that I thought okay then they're not done this isn't it they're still yeah, trying to no, make for moves sure, or otherwise they wouldn't have done that it, with the with their history still five million though and yeah so it does nothing right it does nothing but that that like with their history just defer it was more than half it was it. definitely it was funny hilarious yes absolutely okay um nats brought back ryan zimmerman this week on a one-year one million dollar deal so obviously this is no risk potentially high reward expect we're going to see him platooned with josh bell at first base probably hitting lefties it, what do you guys think of it i mean i didn't expect anything else um i think especially once howie retired it just became all the more clear um that he was coming back I, you know, I, I'm going to respect Sim and, and, you know, wish him the best, but man, it's going to be tough if he has another injury riddled year and doesn't go out. But on the flip side, if he has a great year, then he might continue on and we might inevitably get that injury riddled goodbye. So I'm just hoping like the stars align and we get him the send off he deserves. Cautious optimism, we'll call it. Something like that. <laughs> okay, Brad Hand was the big move this week. One year, ten and a half million. So we've been talking for weeks and weeks and weeks on the pod, every episode about when are they going to get a left-handed reliever? What are they going to do? Are they probably going to price out of the Brad Hand thing? And then Rizzo goes out and does it. What do you guys yeah, think? Yeah, so Brad Hand is the best reliever this team's had. Um, Long time. Yeah, his numbers since 2016 when – I believe that's when he became a closer, or stupid. Um, he's the fourth most saves in baseball since then. He can close. He can set up. He can get you five outs. He can get you six outs. He can pitch in high leverage. He can pitch in low leverage. He can. Um, he's successful against lefties. He's successful against righties. He's a very good reliever. Like I said, there's no such thing as a bad one-year deal. However, though, there are a lot of red flags with Brad Hand. Um, there was reports that the Blue Jays offered two for 16 and the Mets offered, I think three years, but he wanted to close and the Nats offered him the closing position, which makes sense. Um, you know, in 2019, this was the worst bullpen we've ever seen in 2020. They struggled because they did not have that guy in the back end of the bullpen. You have that guy now it's Brad hand. And so you're saying like, Oh, the bullpen will get better. There 
are several concerning trends with Brad Hand that we are going to have to monitor this year. Um, so I'm just going to pull them up. In 2018, his fastball was averaging 94 miles per hour. It dropped significantly in 2019. In 2020, his fastball was averaging 91.25 miles per hour. It dropped three miles per hour in two years. We saw that with Sean Doolittle. Yep. Um, so his ground ball percentage by season in 2018, in 2018 it was 45%. In 2020, he was getting 25% ground balls. That's not good. Um, and then his slider velocity was 85 in 2016. Last year, it was all the way down to 79. So there is a lot of concern. His velocity is down. He's getting a lot less ground balls, but it's only a one-year deal. If he sucks, that's okay. It's one year. If he hits, it's absolutely perfect. But we're going to have to watch that, and they should be able to figure out how that's going to impact him in spring training. Yeah, and that way, by, again, we keep saying it. If, the tra- if things are off the rails by the trade deadline, you know, they can do what they got to do. And speaking of Sean Doolittle, this is the official goodbye to Sean Doolittle for all the people who've been hoping that they were going to bring Doolittle back for some reason. Yeah. So they just signed Brad Hand. Doolittle is not going to be coming back. Just roster spot wise. I'm sure they could get him for a song, but roster spot wise, he ain't coming back. Yeah. I love love this move. Um, You know, no such thing as bad one year deal, but it's also nobody's going to, if Brad Hand inevitably stinks this year, nobody's going to blame the Nats for signing Brad Hand, right? Like, it would, no matter what happens this year, it was worthwhile. Obviously, you hope, like, he has a dominant season and you get the most out of this one-year deal while you can, but um, this is one of those deals where it's like, it can go either way, and either way, I'll be happy that they actually did something. Yeah, low risk, high reward. It's the very definition of that. Yep. Yep. So, after the hand signing, the Nats have about $16 million left if they want to stay under the luxury tax, which we all know they do. So, who the, who's still out there are they likely to get? And I'll tell you who I think it's all of the, I know we haven't talked about this yet, is Wilson Contreras is making some goo-goo eyes <laughs> over at the Nats lately on Twitter. He's been liking a lot of tweets about coming to the Nats. And so, what do you guys think? Is Wilson Contreras in our future? So, they need... There are 40-man rosters at 30, if Lester goes official. They need a catcher, and they probably would be smart to grab a third baseman. Um, I can really see them grabbing someone like Trey Flowers and then getting someone like Tommy LaStella or someone else, just trying to go as cheap as mm-hmm. possible and give them about $10 million of room to play with um just so they can add do what they need to do within season if you have 10 million in room i would love wilson Contreras. he likes all these tweets about the nats he had a very disappointing season last year but again 2020 was weird i'm not counting it just for the sake of this argument i would love wilson Contreras. i don't know yeah. if the nats will give up the capital to get what's them. he gonna make next year like eight Hold on, let me yeah. let me, let me like that. Because if he's gonna get eight, that still leaves them some space to grab another bat, you know, maybe a third baseman, and you know, even then, still depending on who that is, six point five. Wow, so even better. Six point five. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that they add him, they'll be at ten, and then you can do get, it, Rizzo. Like, do it. So one, yeah, one more, a little bit minor, because you still want to leave uh, some, like Ryan said, some space for 
moves during the season, but also for like incentives and stuff like that that will inevitably. Yeah, if you've your, got your like cap. five million yeah. left. At that point, just sign a Struba Cabrera. It's like a one year. Team. Yeah, something like that. Um, so I think we can close the door, unfortunately, on Eugenio Suarez, um, unless they want to go over the cap, which they have done before. So I'm not completely counting it out, but I think, you know, between the cap situation and like Ryan said, the capital to get someone like that. I just don't see it happening. Wilson Contreras is officially the only trade I can see happening, unless it's more of a minor trade for like Kyle Seeger or something like that, um, who I think is making like 12 million. So I don't even know if he's really all yeah. that. If option. I could get Seeger at 12 million or Contreras at six and a half, I think I'd go. Oh yeah, <laughs> I agree. But it's just a matter of the capital and what the Cubs asking price is. Cause we've gotten reports that it's, exorbitant um but then we saw the u darvish deal and it seemed like pennies on the dollar so who knows um but i would love it but realistically i can see them getting someone like tyler flowers and then honestly tommy will sell exactly like you guys said uh, i think that's the most logical way and then they'll try to see where they're at throughout throughout the season and maybe make a trade at the deadline for a bigger bat or you know sell off yeah well, um, I guess we'll see what happens. There's a little bit of time left before we get into spring training. So I do think we're going to see one more move, at least, if not two. So I, I can't wait to see who it is. Rizzo always surprises us. So yep. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, now this is a big topic. So we'll try to try not to spend too much time on it because we still have an, a great interview to play for you guys. Um, that's you're going to really enjoy. Um, let's talk Masson and MSNBC. Just holy crap. What a complete and utter steaming pile of garbage is going on. So with the sports networks. I'll start with NBC sports. Um, that one's very quick. It's not going to impact the local affiliates. So all the regional affiliates. Is that official? Are, yeah. All the regional f- affiliates are going to stay. It's just ABC Sportsnet, the national network, um, mainly because they're going to lose exclusive rights to NHL, and that's going to be a racing channel. So they're just putting all the racing on Peacock, and they're going to move the NHL to NBC and USA Today. So that one is a smart move, although like NBC Sports like kills ratings, so I guess they really want people to get Peacock because soccer is going there also. The big one is Masson sucks, right? Masson absolutely sucks. They're a terrible network that has nothing. Like, do people even watch it when baseball's not on? Um, you knew money was going to be tight. And they announced today or like last week, oh, hey, by the way, uh, we're going to cut our pregame shows, but we're going to charge everyone the same amount for cable, but we're going to fire everyone. But the Orioles are still going to have eight staff on. Um, we're also right, gonna, we get two, the Nets get two, and the, the Orioles worst, get eight. It's the worst, it's too. so ridiculous. But then also, it's like, hey, we're going to do this thing, right? So we're going to create this app so everyone can stream, but you need a cable provider, and you can only watch it in network. Yeah, so and I've got my Xfinity off. app already. If I want to stream the game, I can do it through my Xfinity app. What the hell does that accomplish, letting people stream it if they still have to have an Xfinity or some other cable provider login? It's so stupid. I think the wild thing here is... Masson hasn't upgraded their pa- their graphics package since Microsoft Paint was a thing, and this was the, now this is them being cheap. So yeah, apparently they weren't being cheap before, even though like watching them is just ugly because they have the worst graphics package in the world. Looks like it was made in the eighteen hundreds. The Nats need out. The Nats need to get out of this network. They oh, have badly. to get out. 
oh my god it's such a disaster and there's just no precedent for this where some uh, an, another team owns the broadcast rights for a different team and can can screw them like this can you basically completely eliminated their pre and post game coverage you've got two staff you have your you have your play-by-play guy and your color analyst and that's it nobody else i mean what the hell is this it's a billion dollar mlb freaking team like what is this amateur hour crap and they just won the world series two years ago and they just won the world series it's just absurd i can't i just can't get my head around it and i keep thinking to myself is is mlb really gonna let this happen like are they not gonna step in and do something i mean you know that's actually one of our twitter questions (laughs) um but it's funny i think you know i saw something on twitter about the graphics and, you know, which we've known before, but um, like the lack of an update and it looking like a, you know, 2002, uh, you know, Microsoft Paint They didn't even get the strike box on the freaking screen until five years after everybody else. Right. So, like, I tweeted from, you know, the Half Street High accounts, like, do you like Masson or would you rather see a Switch? Oh, it's perfect timing, by the way. Right. And, you know, so I tweeted that and it ended up being about 50-50. And I was like, okay, that's about right. Because people like Bob and FP and, you know, like a switch to another network implies you don't get Bob and FP and, you know, Dan, Alex, Bo, all them. Um, So I was like, I kind of understood, you know, why it was 50-50 and not largely in favor to switch. And as soon as that poll ended, everything hit the fan. Like we got the cancellation of the pre and post game. We got the, um, you know, axing of some great, Nats reporters and contributors like you know Dan Alex and Bo uh, and Byron Bo, Kerr announced and Byron he's Kerr not be, who's yeah. been who's been around on the team forever like thirteen forever. years or something I just can't right. believe they're just canning everyone yeah. it's and then so and then you know so the the large response to that poll and the cancellation of the pre and post game show is like it doesn't matter I just want to be able to stream which I'm in that same boat too I've talked about it on the show like I'm not paying for cable. So, and I'm, I live in Virginia, so I'm not going to be able to watch the NAS games any other way. So streaming, you know, sounded great at first. I was like, oh, this is awesome. And then as soon as they, you know, offer streaming, then the caveat comes out, oh, you need a, a cable login anyways. I'm like, yeah, I thought the they finally point? got their heads out of their asses. What is the goddamn stream? point? I know. It's so awful. And you know what really pisses me off is is I feel awful for all the people who lost their jobs today. Obviously, you know, as a human being, that's terrible. And I hope they land on their feet and get a new gig soon. But what you're really doing here is hosing the fans. All of the good coverage of your team, the written coverage, the pre and post game show, the people who know the team and can give you cogent analysis of what you're watching, it's all gone. As fans of the Nats, we don't have any of it anymore. We get 15 minutes of the only two guys on staff for our regional sports network talking about the game for 15 minutes before and after and that's it yeah like, it's lie. absurd i don't think i've ever watched a single episode of nats extra or whatever it's called me neither, that one, but that one like doesn't the really principle me i watch <laughs> like, it I every it. single game because ah, in my house at seven o'clock at 705 before the game starts in the evenings in the summer it's baseball is on my tv and at six o'clock or 6 30 whatever time that's extra starts it's on and that's what I, it's in the background while i'm cooking dinner for my kids and like it's one of the things you, you mentioned nick about how people are like oh they like bob and fp and they would you know, if you went to a new network you would get them it's not just about the individual people to me it's the familiarity it's hearing the voices you know mm-hmm. and seeing the show you know and even though the graphics suck seeing the graphics you know it's that's why we it's miss part of, so much yeah it's part of the ritual 
of baseball, at least for me, and I think for a lot of people, it's the familiarity. It's the same people in your living room every night for not just every night of the summer, but for years on end, you know, you, you don't know those people, but you kind of feel like you do. And all of a sudden they've just upended all of that. And it, it sucks. It sucks for the fans. Bridge made a great point too, that if Madison knew they needed to save money, why did they just now go through right. their books or whatever? Why is it January 25th before they're making this known? Just doesn't make right. any sense. They just notified the teams. Like, are you kidding me? Three weeks before spring training? Yeah. Like, I don't know. It, the whole thing is just awful. I just, I have to, and I don't know if it's going to happen, but I keep thinking to myself, surely Major League Baseball is going to step in and do something about this. Like, they can't leave the Nats in this position. I just don't think they are because they have bigger fish, bigger fish to fry at the moment. Well, there's no bigger fish in my world than the Nats, so they need to do something. Facts. Facts. All right. Speaking of MLB, we're going to talk a little bit about the interview we're going to have next. Kevin Franzen joined us. Um, you Nats fans know him. Nats legend, former Nat himself, um, played for a lot of different teams. Uh, Major Leaguer, now the Phillies radio color analyst, um, was really generous with his time. He did a really fun kind of wide-ranging interview with me. Um, talked about a lot of fun stories about the Nats team that he played on. Um, so you guys will remember a lot of the names and the stories, and it was awesome. So we'll play it for you now. All right, we are joined on Half Street High Heat today by Kevin Franzen, former major leaguer, former national, of course, which I know all of you Nats fans listening remember him playing for our club. Um, also, currently the color analyst on the radio for Phillies broadcasts and current contributor to MLB Network Radio. How you doing, Kevin? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We are always happy to talk to people who are kind of plugged into things, especially as we ramp up for the new season. We're all getting excited for spring training. Oh, man. Isn't it seem like it's been so far? It like, has. We're so far removed from, from everything. And uh, I think baseball is a great distraction um, from life at times. Um, Yep. So hopefully we get back to that, right? You know, as normal as possible. Um, whenever this uh, pandemic decides to seize uh, the way to the humans virus. Right. I know. Well, normal would be nice in any form right now. Yes. yes. I guess we'll take baseball if we can get it. Um, for those oh, of yeah. you who don't already follow Kevin online, um, you can get him on Twitter at Kevin Franzen. And are there any other social medias that you do where people can find you online? No, I just do that. My, my, uh, I'm an Instagram guy for my, you know, friends and family. That's it. Not, not gotcha. taking the uh, look at me on that either. one. So. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, before we move on and actually talk some baseball, I see in your um, bio that you've got a, a nonprofit, a 19 for Life. You want to tell our yeah. listeners about that so they can support that if they like? Yeah. No. We uh, 19 for Life was started, uh, man, 16 years ago. It's hard. Oh, wow. uh, after my brother passed away uh, from cancer, you know. We as a family wanted to do something to get my brother, DJ, was uh, huge into the community uh, back in the uh, San Francisco Bay Area. But the, we were all born in San Jose, and, and he spent mo most of his life at, at, you know, off and on at, his, at a hospital at Stanford Children's Hospital in, in, uh, at, in Palo Alto. So a lot of our stuff, you know, we give back there. We give back to, to Bellarmine, which is our high school uh, we have a, a scholarship in his name at Santa Clara, um, university. So it, it, you know, our whole thing is to give back and, and bring the spirit of DJ out. He was a man for others. He was a man that decided that, you know, 
his battle through cancer was no bigger than anyone else's. And he treated everyone like it was like, he, he just treated everyone perfect. You know, he'd treat them real and that's all you expect. Now that's great. It sounds like a terrific organization. And yeah, it's been fun. I mean, for the DC area, I mean, West, West Schweitzer 71 for the uh, Washington Redskins is a buddy of mine. And Wes wore 19 for life cleats this year. And I think it was week 13 was it against the Steelers it was against the Steelers. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah. There, there's so is there more a way DC that people ties. can get involved or donate or support that organization? 19, 19 for life.org is the, uh, is the organization's uh, website it has all of our stuff that we do on there. You can donate if it pleases you. If it doesn't just go on there and check it out. See all the stuff that we do for kids with, uh, you know, that, are overcoming cancer, uh, adversity in general. Um, and you know, we've, we've really, we help fund a lot of things over at Stanford, uh, Lucille Packard children's hospital. So, uh, it's been fun. It's been hard because it's, you know, this year is, is one that can't really give back as much as far as our, uh, the physical part. Right. Mm -hmm. So not your time donating and going to, yeah. And, and that, that, that's the part where we all enjoy doing more than anything. And, um, obviously for good reasons, we're not able to go in. Yeah, obviously. Well, hopefully that's going to change this year. <laughs> yep. No, hopefully for sure. So. And, and, well, I mean, you say it for good reason. There's a good reason we can't go in. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, it obviously, so. especially for kids who are, who are dealing with health issues, mm -hmm. you just gotta be so careful. Well, that's terrific. Um, hopefully if you guys are listening, go out and check out the 19forlife.org website and make sure you follow Kevin on Twitter. Um, so let's start local here. Um, so we're a Nationals podcast. Oh, um, yeah. We do talk about things all over the league, of course, but we're Nationals focused. So we love, I know our listeners always love to hear anecdotes about the team and things, you know, insider, you know, inside baseball, to borrow a phrase. Um, so can you talk a little bit about your time when you played for the Nats? Maybe, you know, great memories, favorite experiences, favorite guys you played with, anything like that? Uh, I mean, look, it's, I've never been shy about it. It's been, it was the most fun year I ever had, uh, playing baseball, especially professionally. And I had some fun years in general, just, uh, overall, but it, it, it took the cake on everything from being released at the end of spring training from, uh, the Phillies to being picked up by Riz and, and the entire, you know, management there to coming over and competing against them for a couple of years prior, uh, knowing what they had, it was like, uh, this is awesome. <laughs> Winning's fun. And look, I, I, I say that because I didn't want, obviously no one wants to get released, but I was enjoying everything about Philadelphia then. And I know we were not good, but it was, there was a bond I had with a lot of the guys there that, um, you know, I, I had fought with to uh, earn a spot back in the big leagues after having a year off and being able to retain that and do all that. that, that I mean, it, it was hurt. It, it hurt to get released. Yeah, I, I guess imagine. the you know the consolation prize is going to the number one team in the East, so that was fun. That that was the good part. Um, and then you just go with the the you know the relationships that you've formed. And uh, man, I mean, from J Dub to to Zim to Ian to Jordan. To, I mean, we can go on and on. Nate McLeod and and just you know Laroche and all the the guys that are in that area. Denard Span, aka Jeffrey from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. He still hates me saying that, but it, I had so much fun because we kept it real with each other. We were not afraid to say what it was. And, you know, 
I, I say it, and I, I didn't mean to say leave out one guy, but Bryce. I learned more about in that year about Bryce uh, than covering him right now. Because there was a kid that was, what, 22 years old, 23 years old, I think it was at the time. And sky's the limit. And, and just how obsessed with baseball he was. That was the one thing that, like, you know, you, you take away from certain things. There's, there's J-Dub and, and how uh, brash he could be, how awesome that's, that's he is. That's a good word for him. <laughs> but how awesome he is. Uh, but then on top of it, how obsessed with baseball he was. There was a full, you know, clubhouse full of guys that were obsessed with playing baseball. And that was, I think a part of why I loved being there is like, I, you know, eat, drink, sleep, baseball, that's it. And that, that, that's been my life. And, and I, I love the game and I love when people share that same thing. So, you know, then on the, the, the pitcher side, I mean, with Gio and Jordan and Steven, and, and you, then you go to the, you know, the bullpen with Drew and uh, Clip and, and all those guys and you're, and Jerry, Jerry, uh, you're looking at guys that uh, were obsessed about baseball, you know, and so it, it was, it was just That's a really uh, fun it, club that year. Oh man, we had a blast. We, I mean, when we won games, we celebrated, uh, we had the fog, I brought in the fog machines, the light show, um, because I, you know, in Philadelphia, the one thing that bugged me, probably the only thing that bugged me was they were so good for so long and so dominant that winning became the expectation, but didn't become the joy and the want. I felt this is a personal opinion on that. And I've told them that it, uh, you know, certain guys, I'm like, I just, you get used to it. You get almost complacent to the fact that, um, year in, year out, you're the best. And sometimes as a, you know, it's hard individuals don't, but as teams, I think, um, so I wanted to bring in that, that fun and, you know, we win, just do something fun and uh, enjoy ourselves. We did, what, 96 times that year in, in, in Washington? So, that was a good um, year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, favorite memory is still going to always be the 18-inning game in uh, in Milwaukee. And I remember that one. It, yeah, and, and I think in about the 17th inning, we started putting on the fog machine early. No, it was, <laughs> it was in the 18th. We scored in, that, we scored in the 18th, and – the fog machine started and by the last two pitches of the game, it was on the field because the, the clubhouse is really, really, really close to the dugout and it started coming out of the field and it was one of the most amazing things to see. And it was like, all of us were just so excited to get back in. Um, and, and, and I know it sounds so stupid. It's just, that was our team. Like we were so excited to celebrate for five minutes of victory because it's so hard to do. Um, and obviously, uh, doing it a lot, you, you, you keep on feeding that you want it more. And, and that team, and that team definitely did. Well, that is an awesome story. I love that. Um, yeah, I guess you almost had to win at that point. It was obligatory. Once the fog <laughs> machine came on. You didn't have a yeah, I, got, I think we were going to say fire. If, uh, if it didn't, it was, if I, we had a fire in our place, you know, it was, yeah, no. Nope. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah, no. definitely wasn't the fog. We machine. already, I mean, we set, <laughs> we set off the fire alarms in Philadelphia with the things, uh, the police chief came and, and he was really mad at us for doing that, but it was like, guys, sorry, beat us, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear that it was such a good experience. Um, yeah, everybody enjoyed watching you and, and I know now, of course you're back in Philly. So, um, let's expand that conversation a little bit and talk NL East. 
Um, obviously, you've got, I know, right? Oof. Obviously, Oof. you've got lots of insight on the Phillies since you covered them now. But, I mean, the, the Braves are loaded for bear. The Mets look like they're really making a run under their new ownership. The Marlins, I mean, they've been they're such a kind good. of non-factor for a long time. But that was a playoff yeah. team last year. What are your sort of thoughts, expectations about the NLEs this year? Uh, initial is holy hell. <laughs> it, I mean, seriously, too. it it is uh, it's a gauntlet, and again, it has to do with everyone's health, right? If if teams if all teams are healthy, it's the most disgusting uh, division in all of baseball. And everyone's like, "Oh, what about the NL West?" I'm like, it's top, it, it's two teams. That's it. This yeah. has a chance of being five teams. You know, for uh, going into eighteen, not nine, or going into nineteen, I would say. It, it was like a three-year run. Who was going to do the most against the Marlins, right? Because the Marlins were just a non-factor. Mm-hmm. And the Braves just obliterated them for, you know, all those years. And why were they at the top of the division the last couple? Partly because of that. You know, in uh, last year, they showed so much talent, and you're going, uh-oh. Yeah, not a doormat anymore. No, no. And, and just the way Don Manley has those guys playing – the belief in, in, in everything. So you, you go there. Then, I mean, you, you definitely go with, with us in the Phillies because I, I still think that that's where we are. We're not, you know, you can't say that we're one of the top teams yet because you got to prove it in the division. And what we have done so far in, in adding Archie Bradley just the other day, uh, came official today, uh, is, is a great step. But Jose Alvarado, the lefty from Tampa Bay, uh, to clean up a little bit. His uh, 97 with sink is nasty. Uh, Sam Coonrod from the Giants comes over, 98. Uh, and then you add in Ian Hamilton, another kid from the White Sox that, you know, has a big-time arm that didn't have it last year, but it's there. Uh, velocity is something that we've lacked, right, as far as a pen. And we, our pen was the worst in the history of baseball. Granted, it was only 60 games. There were still, the numbers say that they were the worst bullpen in, in baseball history. And it was hard. You know, we shared a lead. We hadn't shared a lead. We had a lead in 48 of the 60 games. Wow, you, I didn't you realize missed, that. You missed the playoffs. You have a lead in 48 of the 60 games. That's unheard of. Yeah, that's and crazy. To me, you know, you got to clean up the bullpen. The velocity is 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 up now. Instead of celebrating a guy that throws 95, 96, that's the norm for the pen uh, of, of what they have acquired this year. Uh, with Dave Dombrowski, Sam Fold now in the mix, I, I think it's, you know, things are going to be looking in a different manner, but still a ways to go. Then you go with the Mets and and what they have, obviously, you start with Jacob DeGrom. The pitching staff's insane uh, with Marcus Stroman. And then you can, you know, the midseason acquisition, they're going to get Noah Syndergaard uh, as good as come. But they, they did, you know, a couple things that I think are uh, some of the biggest things in, in the game. And it was getting James McCann and Trevor May, uh, two guys that are ridiculous at their positions, one a catcher, one in the bullpen, but cheap enough that they could still do a lot of different things. Oh, let's go get Francisco Lindor. They benefited from Robinson Cano, uh, you know, testing positive for another substance. And, and, you know, they benefit because that money's off the books that they can give to Francisco Lindor. Mm-hmm. And I find that to be fascinating in this whole situation. That team is so deep. Uh, Edwin Diaz started to figure it out last year again. Uh, we almost saw consistently the guy that they tried to acquire. You know, in, in this first year at the Mets, it was a struggle. But, I mean, the guy had like 18 Ks per nine, right? It was a 
unbelievable numbers out of the pen. And then you got Patances who didn't even, I don't think a guy, uh, he actually did not have a barrel registered against him last year. And he did have a high ERA, but that was all based off of a couple of base hits off of multiple walks, right? Uh, so the back end of their pen is, is just disgusting. Um, so that's a scary, scary thought. Um, a belief in Miguel Rojas, their, their manager, uh, obviously uh, young, but very the pedigrees there, obviously with Felipe Lou being his father. Um, the other thing is you get to the Nationals, and you know we could talk about the Braves. The Braves are who the Braves are. I mean, they're you know what three times in three three uh, NL East titles in a row for a reason. They're damn good. They are well, damn good. You have that with the you have that with the Nats, and and. You know, last year without Steven, it hurt a little, obviously not a little bit, a lot. Um, and Max just wasn't Max. And I feel like this is a guy that's going into the offseason, coming back, and he's going to be hungrier than ever, and it's scary. That's always a scary one because Max is my favorite pitcher in the league, uh, has been for years, um, because he competes every chance he gets. Like, yeah, it, it doesn't bulldog. matter. He's so much fun to watch. I always tell people uh, it's appointment television for me. If nothing else, whenever Max is pitching, I am sitting in front of my television. 100%. 100%. And, and it's like, you could be new to the game, right? And you're like, damn, that guy loves what he does. He <laughs> genuinely loves being a baseball player. He loves being a pitcher, right? I mean, there's, there's certain things that you know about Max Scherzer. And being a baseball player and a dominant pitcher, there's an expectation that he has every time out. Uh, and the expectation is, is from himself. That's Absolutely. unbelievable. Then uh, you kind of got a decent guy in left field. You know, yeah, that I guy is, that. <laughs> is good. Oh, man. I, look, Rendon, Rendon and I have always been close. And he's my favorite hitter I've ever been around. Like, just in general. Just, just everything that he does. Um, to see Juan Soto and, and how he goes about things, I, 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 obviously people know if they listen to your podcast, FP and I are as close as can be. And FP and I always joke around when we, you know, we'll always be texting back and forth during games, especially when we play each other. And even though we're a couple of boosts down, you can't really do a whole lot during the game. Well, this year is the first time I saw Juan Soto turn around and argue a call that he wasn't right. It was the first time I, 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 I don't want to swear, but I yeah, asked you not. I've seen him. I, I've seen at least 900 at bats of his. I swear, I, 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 it's a, that's appointment TV for me is watching his ABs because they're so pro. They're so good. They're, you know, it's discussing what he has the ability to do. The thing is, is that like when he argues, you're like, yeah, hey, Blue, you missed that. You know that, right? <laughs> Like you already know it. You almost just and assume last year that, he that missed he's one. right he, because last year he so missed seven. one. <laughs> and I and I was like, dude, he is human. This is not right. Like he just <laughs> argued something that he was actually wrong. Like that's the first time I've ever seen that. So, uh, you know, the, the Nationals are always going to get better. The Josh Bell trade. Uh, <laughs> I, just, I mean, seriously, like or, or the signing with him. It's it just like, it, come on, like that's perfect. It is. It, you know, Rizzo fit. always comes up with those kinds of things. He always surprises well, he, you. That's Everybody's a, talking about one thing, and then he does something else. You know, the, the thing with Riz um, that I've always loved, prior to playing for the Nats, whether he was with, you know, the Diamondbacks or whatever, there is an expectation and want. There is a, there's a difference between expecting to win and wanting to win. He wants to win, and he's showing that he wants to win year in, year out. It's always been one of my favorite things about that man. 
A, he loves baseball. B, he loves the Nationals. C, he wants to win. I don't know which order you want to put that in, uh, but it is uh, that's who he is. And year in, year out, he's trying to win. That's And the Nats awesome. have been competitive for a long, long time, and that's not an easy thing to do to remain competitive no. year over no. year. No. But that's, that is, that, that, that's the man at the top wanting to do that, right? And Mike Rizzo is, is a guy that is trying to find ways to get wins here and in, in, into DC. And, and I find that that to be one of the um, areas that I wish a lot more GMs did. Yeah, I can certainly see that. We're all, we've been talking a lot on the, on the pod about um, what else they might need to do this off season. We're hoping for another starter and, an, and a lefty reliever and another bat, hopefully. But we'll see if well, we you can never have too many relievers. We, we've all know, we all know that like there's, there's not enough relievers for a team because rarely are you going to go through the, you know, eight to 10 guys that you have at the start of the year. Yeah. And, you know, the more depth that you can create, you know, what he did on the fly basically in 19 on the way to the world series is still insane. You know, from yeah, being speaking the, of historically bad, so bad bullpens, <laughs> they were so <laughs> the first bad. Part of that season was so dreadful. It, it was, but, it, and you know what? And it plays on the, the players part, right? So like on the position players and you know, the starting staff, it puts an extra pressure on them. Uh, the pen, if they can do an about face and try to figure it out and it works right away after the moves, right? It's just like, it, I don't know. I, I found it this year when we got, you know, with the Phillies, we got Brandon Workman, Heath Embry. And the next thing you know, like the content, they continue to falter. And then David Phelps comes over, continue to falter right when, you know, Riz went out and got who he got, you know, two years ago. Um, and it worked. What happens? Uh Oh, that belief, right? You don't have that, the door open and everyone going, Oh yeah. Believe me. Every time they would call to the bullpen, I'd be like, Oh no. Yeah. Yep. No, that's a, it's a fact. So, uh, it, I, I don't know. I just, I, I find it so funny. It's like between Corbin Scherzer and, and, uh, and Strauss, you have, you know, three guys that take up, you know, $80 million and it's, a, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> it is. It's hard to, you know, that's one of the things that's so tough. I'm sure for Rizzo is to have so much money tied up in the top of your rotation and still be able to find the pieces you need to, to be competitive is not an easy thing. No, but out. I mean, look, look who it is though. You know, it's three guys that miss bats, three guys that win, you know, historically that, that are really good. I mean, I think it was, uh, yeah, it was 2018. It was April, 2018. I was in San Francisco for, uh, I was doing a radio show then uh, before the, the the broadcasting gig with the Phillies. And I went and saw them play at uh, AT&T Park. And I was on the field and I was talking to Riz. I talked to him for like an hour. And it was a time where he's like, I asked him about Juan Soto because Juan had been off to like the you know first two weeks. I'm like, is this guy really that good? And he goes, Franny, this might be the best hitter that we've ever had here and we've had some damn good hitters i'm like what are you talking about the kid was in a ball still right uh-huh, he goes everyone is everyone is implementing in our system you know like his two strike approach to spread out choke up you know take and i'm like uh-huh and i just like i i he doesn't bs you riz you know he'll he'll set it straight and he go he just looks at me goes that good i'm like oh my god so i just kept on watching and seeing this whole thing and it's like wow to see what he's turned out to be Oh man. So I asked him, I was like, all right, in all honesty, would you resign? Would you have signed max after this? Because I feel like after 
so many contracts, big contracts with guys, right? We're just in general, all throughout the league, people are like, no. He, this is in 18. This is after, I think, two straight uh, Cy Young Awards. And he's like, no, he's already paid off. He, he already paid it off, the value of him. I'm like, really? He goes, and, and I already, I, I figured that was going to be the answer. But just to hear him say, it, he goes, I, I wish I had all the money in the world for, you know, multiple Max Scherzers. Not because he goes, because of the leadership that he brings, the, the, the intensity that he brings, the expectation to win, the greatness, you know, it, it, beyond the awards, it's every intangible. I'm like, huh, so like J-Dub, you know, like just, he goes, like you got the pitcher version of J-Dub, you know, changing that, that room up a little bit. And uh, J-Dub did that quite a bit. Uh, for the whole franchise. So, uh, you know, just, just knowing that, you know, with all that money there, I, I, I think he would do that with all three of those guys, of course, because who they are, you know, and Patrick Corbin, the guy that misses more bats than anything as a, as a left-hander, you know, which Max and his, the, just the, you could go in, in and on every little detail of Max and be like, uh-huh. And then Strauss, I mean, it, you're a year removed from one of the, you know, the best years that he's ever had, obviously. And uh, in that's history as well. So, um, it, yeah, it, we're really it, hoping he's going to be healthy. Riches. We've heard like nothing, so there's been no uh, updates or anything on his health. So we've been talking about that a lot too. Is going it's crickets. We hope everything's good with Strauss. <laughs> always, always. That's what I mean. He's a and you know on top of it, he's such a great guy, right? So you're just like you're, he's easy to root for. Oh and yeah, and watching him hoping. kind of watching him get a little looser during that nineteen World oh, Series run was, was so much fun as an and for fan former tool. teammates it was amazing because you go play golf with the guy and he has fun. You get to the field and it's like, yeah, yeah, very nuts. intense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and just knowing that he cares so much, it people, you know, we all heard it like people going, oh, he doesn't care, he doesn't show. It's like, look, it's being trumped by by Max's intensity, by his outward emotion. Strauss isn't like that. And that's fine. And it's like the moment that he, I felt like he accepted that, you know, and not trying to be anybody that he's not, he just excelled because he is a special human. I mean, he, I don't think I've ever heard the guy say a bad thing about anybody. You know, he's just like, uh-huh. He, 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 he's the guy that you look at and you're like, man, I need to impress him. I just need to impress Strauss. I just want to find a way to do it, you know, because <laughs> he's, he's going to make you earn it. He's going to make That's you earn cool. it as a teammate. That's cool to hear. Yeah, it's been really cool to watch him because he was such a kid when he got to the team and to yep. see him turn into a you know a grown man with a family, and, <laughs> and he's just he's awesome to watch. So, and we're so lucky to get to watch those three guys pitch. And if they're healthy this year, I feel like you know the Nats have a real have a real well, that, shot but they're gonna this division's just gonna beat each other to death this year and th and that's the thing is if it's if there's health all the way throughout the division it's like oh god right with soroka coming back because <laughs> ian anderson as special as he was last year soroka is still better right i mean in in all honesty and he comes back from an achilles and it's nothing with the arm you're going oh man like come on and, you know, if Kyle Wright shows that he can, you know, improve off of what he did in the postseason, Bryce Wilson, I still think that they, they have two of the, the best trade chips out there for whatever they want to go get, um, whenever they want in those two guys. But, I mean, like, they, they just got, you know, with Max Fried. I mean, you, you talk two righties and a lefty. I think that's ideal. Oh, wait, who has two righties and a lefty? The Nats do. When you got, you know, Scherzer and Strasburg and then you got Corbin. I mean, that, that's the stuff that you're looking at going, man, they got the variety that you need at the top of the rotation. 
Yes, indeed. Okay. Well, as much as I'd love to pick the Nats because I'm well known as the homer for the Nats on our podcast, but I, I still think the Braves are going to take the NL East if I well, need to make a prediction. And, and that's the thing is that like for me, I'm always, I, I feel like I'm a realist on it. Uh, and it's nothing on anybody else, but it's like, you could do everything in the off season, right? The Braves have consistently been great, right? The last few years. And you have to overtake that. And so until then, like, I'm fine with saying the Braves because if someone beats them, hell yeah, then that, that team played probably out of their minds because the Braves are that good. <laughs> yeah, especially in this division. If you can, oh. It's going to be interesting to see the win total that wins the NL East as stacked as it is versus some of the weaker divisions. It'll still be 95. It'll still be like 95 wins wins it if we play full 162. You know, yeah, and I, I, hopefully we're going to <laughs> because team because teams, you know, when you get down to it, like you're going to go on a run. Most teams go on a run throughout the year. And it's like, what do you do during that run? You know, and for the, like the Braves a couple of years ago, it was, it was great. Uh, by the way, the Nationals, what they you know did in, in 19 to turn it around from my birthday on. It was insane. So is May 23rd look, your birthday. Uh, May 24th. May 24th. So oh, they, okay. That All win right. that day. So, yeah. So, that, that was one of those things that uh, you, you just look at it and you're going, oof. One team goes on a run. It's how close can everyone else stay, right? Yeah. Well, actually, talking about the length of the season is a good segue into my um, one more question I wanted to ask you, which is, what are your thoughts on first kind of what, if you think the season's going to go off as a normal length season, starting with a normal spring training, and also about the, the rules changes that were in place for the, the weird season last year, and whether you think they will be still in place, and whether you think they ought to be, such as the uh, runner on second and extras, the seven inning double headers, the DH. Uh, okay. So I think that, uh, 162 is, is a goal. Um, anything less than that? I'm, I mean, if it's all because of health, I'm, I'm all for it. Right. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say, you have to play 162. If they went to the minor league season went 144, fine. You know, like let's, let's get it there, but we got to get through to spring training and through spring training. Um, and, and have that go down. So I think that's a, that's a big thing for me. Um, you know, Manfred hasn't really made, you know, said get ready for 162. Okay. Can I get something finalized here? Like, can I get a, you know, just, yeah, yes, that's what we're going to do. That'd be nice. Um, so that, that, that would help number one, uh, as far as the rule changes, I mean, did really, I love the ones that they, they claim they're baseball purists because I'm a baseball purist. But you know what? Last year we saw some good things that happened. I'll start with the runner on second. I was so against it. So absolutely against it. As the season wore on and the more games I watched all throughout the league, the extra inning runner at second base, we saw more baseball. What we grew up watching as far as baseball being played. Guys getting, the, you know, the move the runner over, get the guy in. There was more action for that. There was less hero ball. Like where I feel like so much of our extra innings in the last few years has been who's going to hit the walk-off. So everyone's mm -hmm. swinging for it. The numbers yeah, in, 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 in extra innings down. is terrible. I thought last year we saw something that was very drastic. Now, I have really thought long and hard about it, and it's not about, look, I, I, I the traditionalist in me is there. I do know that we need more action in our game. And our action is we got to get the ball in play a little bit more. I, this is what I propose. It's never going to happen. 
A team that in a nine-inning game strikes out nine times or less, or you could say eight times or less, if it goes extra innings, you get the runner at second base. Anything more than that, you don't get the runner. Interesting. Because I, I feel like it needs to be that needs to be a part of our what we're doing because we need to change some things on that. You know, playing for the strikeout, I get it. Uh, playing for the home run, I don't get it. Playing for the walk and, and seeing pitches and all this stuff, like, wow, that's fun. Let's walk to death. That's amazing. You know? I know it has its place, but it's not the most exciting to walk. It, 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 sure. It's really not. And so how can you create that? Well, if you, you know, let's set a standard here. And whatever the, the strikeout number is that you decide, if you hit it and you go over it, you don't get that runner in second base if you happen to go extra innings. And I'll I tell think you, that's whoever's facing Max Scherzer is not getting a runner in extra innings. Well, that would be, uh, <laughs> that, that's why it would be interesting. It would be interesting to see how teams compete. And if you can, if you can get to that number, it would be amazing. Uh, as far as the doubleheaders, like in the minor leagues when we were playing and you're playing a seven-inning doubleheader, there's nothing better. Sorry, you're off your feet. You know, four extra innings. Oh, it's not a full nine-inning game. Who cares? I hate like this for one me. because I feel like well, how do you how do you manage complete game stats? Like did you did you throw a complete game for a pitcher or I don't know. I just feel like when you have Did you finish that, the game? I've always looked at it like that. Like did you finish the game? But is it equivalent to if you had a nine inning complete game? No. I mean but that's the thing, is that like <laughs> if you throw a no hitter in a seven inning game and, and it's not gonna be registered as a no hitter, you know, like come on. Yeah, I don't that, know. That, I, I kind of hate the idea of watering it down. Like, it, well, it's the same thing as same. think think about game one this year for the Nationals and Yankees, right? Both guys threw complete games. One went five and a third, right, or something like that, and, and the other went <laughs> five. <laughs> you know, whatever it was. It, it, but that you know between Cole and Scherzer, and it was like because of the rain. And you're going, well, is that really a complete game? And actually, in in Major League Baseball, when you look at the stats. No one looks down upon that, right? A rain. Oh, that game was rained out. But we now we have a seven inning game because of a double header, and now it's going to change everyone's mind. Oh, it's not a nine inning game. It's like everyone wants to be this traditionalist when it's like, come on, this is this is great. I love it. Try it. All right. To me, well, so you're a yes the, on both the runner on second I am, extras I am. and the seven inning. How about the DH? Are you a DH guy? No, I'm not a DH. I'm still not a DH guy. I love the two separate leagues. I'll always oh, be that way. I'm so happy love- to hear that. We have a longstanding, vehement, horrible, ongoing argument about the DH on the podcast. And my but two co-hosts are It's going to help people. out for you guys this year. <laughs> That's going to yeah, be the biggest so thing. You know, it's four over there. I'm not saying it wouldn't help, but I hate the DH. I hate the DH in the American League. I hate it entirely, but I do not. I, I hated the DH in the American League when I was in there playing for the Angels for a year. Uh because if you're not starting, there's no chance you're playing. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. As a, as so a, you know, as a utility so, yeah. player, that's a good yep. point. Yeah, uh, I'm right. trying to think. What else? Are there any others? There, there are any other rule changes? I don't know. Um, no. What's the other? The three batter minimum? Uh, I hate it. I, I yeah, still I hate I, it, too. I, I'm kind of a Luddite. I, I hate most rule changes, although I don't. I don't hate the runner on second and extras as much as I thought I would. See that that it grew on it grew on you, right? Yeah, it did a little bit. It is I exciting, it and I the get beginning. the I get the utility of not blowing out your bullpen in a yep. regular season game on a Tuesday. And it, and and you know what? It it helped out quite a bit. Um, I think what you know we we look at the three batter minimum, and it's like three batter minimum. There should be an X number of pitchers minimum or maximum that used in a game. Mm-hmm. 
that to yeah. me would be something that would be kind of uh i think it'd be cool to see to be yeah. honest that would be fun and i've seen it i've heard a proposal we've talked about on our pod a couple of times about having a dh but you can only use the dh until you pull your starter so kind of a hybrid yeah. sort of situation yeah. which I would hate less than a regular kind of American League style DH, but I would prefer not to have one at all. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I look it. It's it's great for the player association if you think about it. It's an extra batter. You know, you get more to that. Uh, but for me, I look at uh, the DH and I just I I don't like it. I love the two leagues. I love the American League. I, I wish that we would do away with interleague play. Because yeah, I, kind I of lo- loved it when you only just saw the two leagues only play yes. each other in the World Series. I yes. love the drama of that. That was the. I think that was such a, a very uh, dramatic thing for us as little kids, right? Growing up, as you you're going to see this team play for the first time, you're like, I've seen them all year. They've been so good. Oh my gosh, how are we going to handle? And most times now, you're like, oh whatever, we played them like yeah, we, we already played, played them six you. times. You know, it's all great. <laughs> Like, I don't, I, that's a, that's a huge part of it for me. I wish we, I wish interleague play wasn't there. Yeah, I agree with you on that one as well. All right. So one more question before I let you run, which is we like to always end our interviews on something fun. So I want to get your conference championship and Super Bowl picks. Ooh. Um, all right. So I'm Bay Area kid. I got, I got Brady and, uh, and, and Rogers in the NFC, right? So, uh-huh. That one's a tough one. That's um, at Lambeau. So in the, in, so in the frozen I, here, tundra. Here's, here's my prediction. Aaron Rodgers wins. But if we recall how the whole thing started with Brady in, page, in, in New England, it was mm-hmm. the fumble, right? The, the arm going forward against the Raiders basically uh-huh. started the whole, the whole dynasty. Um, that's how it's going to end, but it's going to be a fumble at the end of the game Brady fumbles. It's an actual fumble. Bucks lose. Packs, pack, Packers go to the. Uh, oh, I the Super like Bowl. it. I like it. Very specific. Um, <laughs> it, look, it, it, I think it's a very simple thing. If if Patrick Mahomes, if Patrick Mahomes plays in the AFC Championship game, uh, they win. If he doesn't, the Bills win. I think it's. Uh, I, I, I think that's uh, plain and simple. But it's two phenomenal quarterbacks. And and look, I've never been a Josh Allen guy, uh, ever, and. Now I'm like all in. And again, he's a California kid. It's pretty cool uh, to, to see this, a Northern California kid especially. Um, but to see what he's turned himself into, I mean, the, the, the arm, the, the Bills did something that I find amazing. If you go back and look at it, they talked about how he played in bad weather pretty much his whole life. And the arm is unbelievable. Well, how does he handle it in, in the, you know, the bad weather? And he goes to Wyoming and he plays perfect there and whatever. He can do it with the Bills, right? Because they play in terrible weather all the time. And to see him continue on and get better year in, year out, I mean, that's that's fun to see. I, I, I hope story. it's a great game. So I hope it's a great game. Uh, you know, Packers, Chiefs, uh, I want I want Aaron Rodgers to win. I want Patrick Mahomes to win. So let's uh, let's go overtime game. Uh, I, I I still got I still have I still have the Chiefs. If Patrick know, Mahomes is playing, I still have the them. Chiefs. I'd love to I'm see a the Bills fan. win, but if it's Mahomes, it's gonna be the Chiefs. I'm a Niners fan. I, I watched what they did all last year, you know, and especially in the Super Bowl against us. And uh, whew, that was that was tough to see. <laughs> that's a hard memory. So who wins it all? 
Chiefs. Yeah. Gotta I'm go with Chiefs. I, 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 yeah. I'd I just, like to see I, I, Aaron I, I, Rodgers. I'd like to see Aaron Rodgers win, but I don't see anybody beating him. I mean, uh, if, if it's, I mean, look, right now, the, the four teams that are left are the teams that I wanted to see in the, in the conference championships this year that might, you know, after the Niners were not there. Uh, I just find that there are four great storylines all the way around. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a fun couple of weeks in the lead up to the Super Bowl. All I right, well, so. thank you again so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, well, thank you. Thanks for having I me. I want to tell everybody again where to find you on Twitter, at Kevin Franzen. And uh, hopefully we can do it again soon, maybe after the uh, season is underway. That sounds good. Sounds good with me. And uh, hope everyone there stays safe, and uh, especially this week. All right. Excellent. Thanks so much. Take care. All right. Have a good one. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks again so much to Kevin Franzen for joining us. It was a really fun interview, and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to him again soon. If you guys don't already follow him, make sure you check him out at Kevin Franzen on Twitter. He said he's not much of an Instagram guy, so that's the only place you're going to find him. But, um, yeah, super great interview. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. And heaters, as always, support for that interview by with Kevin Franzen and for the show is brought to you by Manscaped. They are the number one leader in precision tools for your family jewels uh, from bush to tush. I'm going to say it every every chance I get. Uh, but I also want to take the opportunity to officially thank Manscaped. They are signing us on full time. Uh, we have officially signed our contract with them. That is awesome. Um, you know, just to break away from the ad read a little bit right here. Uh, you know, I use their stuff before, you know, they ever became a sponsor. I am continuing to use their stuff because they're sending us some awesome, awesome, you know, equipment and gear. And, you know, I wear their boxers all the time because they're so freaking comfy. Uh, I wear their shirt because it says balls on it. Um, I love Manscaped. And for those of you who helped us secure the bag uh, with Manscaped. I hope you are enjoying your products as well, but they are going to be a huge part uh, with Half Street High Heat moving forward. Um, and we are going to be unveiling and promoting some of their other products because they are not just a one-trick pony. It's not just a lawnmower 3.0, as great as it is, as life-changing as it is. They have a lot to offer um, next month, the month of February, uh, the highlighted product is their cologne. I'm very excited to try that. Uh, Amanda, I think you said you got it for your husband, right? Yeah, I got it for him for a Christmas present. It is really, really nice. Kind of like a fresh, not not too overpowering mm -hmm. kind of cologne. I love it. It's really, really nice. Yeah, and just because you're at home, maybe working from home, not going anywhere during this pandemic, doesn't mean you can't smell nice. You know, why not treat yourself and smell nice? And then, you know, you, you catch a whiff of yourself. And you're like, damn, I smell good. That could Amen. be Amen. And for your girl. And for that your girl. Could be Make you. sure. Valentine's Day is coming up. Valentine's Day is coming up. So, you know, heaters, I, again, I hope you have enjoyed any Manscaped products you have gotten to this point. Um, but if you are late to the, to the party, we're not going to hold it against you. Half Street High Heat's got you covered. Promo code HSHH20 still works. You still get 20% off and free shipping. You know, it's still the same great deal that got you hooked in the first place. And now you can continue that love. Go on their website, pick out anything you might like, anything you want to try. Promo code HSHH20 will get it done for you. I cannot recommend them enough. And, you know, we are a podcast of integrity. You know, I, I, I've always said I will never 
interview F.P. Santangelo just because of all the crap I've talked about him over the years. <laughs> and I would never promote a product that I don't genuinely enjoy. And I genuinely enjoy Manscaped. So I hope you guys do as well. All right. Thank you very much, Nick. So next last thing we've got for tonight is our Twitter question. So we got some good ones. There is a lot to talk about, obviously, since we have been yammering for I don't even know how long now. Um, but these are great questions. Let's jump right in. We've got at Hernley T sent us a question. Assuming health and at least acceptable production from Trey and Keyboom on the left side of the infield, where does Garcia slot in? Does he start in Rochester to play every day? I yes. think so, especially with Castro coming back and Harrison filling in kind of a utility role. It kind of leaves Garcia as the odd man out. But should anyone go down, I think he'll be the first one to uh, get called upon. Yeah, yeah. Trey, also, Trey would have to be, like, in, incapacitated for anybody to take his spot. But if Keyboom just stinks the place up, I could see. Which is possible. Yeah. He should be in Rochester. He wasn't ready last year. It was very obvious. Yeah. Yeah, and he needs every day, every day at bats, I think, for a while still. So hopefully, well, you know, the, the minor league season will be more normal because I feel really bad for a lot of the prospects who just didn't get any, didn't get anything of what they needed last year. And I, I hope that's not the case again. Yep. Okay. At LW, at the LW2 says, question on two guys in regards to Robles and Keyboom, assume they each play a full season. What's an acceptable batting average and home run total for each? This is a fun question. So... I guess for batting average, if but if both of them can get to 250, that's the number I had in mind. Yeah, I feel like 250 is a magic number. Kibum has been disastrous. Like words cannot describe how bad he has been. If he can get 247 up, same for Robles, I'll take that as a success. If both of them can hit 15 home runs, also that'll be progress for both of them. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say. 20 for Keyboom and 15 for Obelisk, but just of the lack of power we saw from Keyboom last year, I would take 15. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I was on the same same line of thinking. Um, you know, 250 and, and 15, somewhere along there, would be more than acceptable from them. Yeah, I actually have different numbers, I think, for Robles and Keyboom. Robles provides stellar defense, so if there's a little bit less offense from him, like if you, know, you said 245, 250, I'd be like, okay, whatever. Um, and I think 15 home runs is a pretty good place for him. Keyboom, I, I expect more offense from him. I mean, for it to That's not true. be, not to be, ex I mean, what I consider acceptable from him, I would say 265 at least, I think. I mean, anything less than that, I'd feel disappointed. And I think he needs to hit 20. I mean, he's got to earn his place offensively. He's not providing stellar defense. I like that point. So. Yep. Definitely like that point, but you know, two sixty five might be a pipe dream for. It might be a pipe dream, but the question wasn't reality. It was yeah. what would you consider acceptable? And to me, two sixty, if it's less than two sixty five, I don't think it's acceptable. I don't hate that take. Yeah. All right. Next one. At Nat's bullpen says, "When do you plan to tell Masson to do something anatomically impossible to themselves?" Today. Yeah. Today. That was a, that tomorrow. Was a, yeah. The rest that was of the a paraphrase. Days. Yeah. <laughs> Today, tomorrow, the rest of the days, Masson freaking sucks. Yeah, I'm so angry. I'm so angry at Masson. I can't even think about it. I keep thinking to myself, though, it's got to change. Something has to give. This can't possibly be the status quo for the year. But I guess we'll find out. Okay, one more question is from at John Fang one says, so what's Masson filling the schedule with now? I'm thinking all Mats and Orioles classics all the time. <laughs> you know what they're showing rain delays? The, like, ESPN News from 30 years ago. Oh, yeah. 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 
when I think mass and off air by off air like non baseball games, I just picture like C SPAN or um It's not far off. It's what, not far what's off. the uh the T V channel where you just buy crap all day? QVC? PV, uh, not PVC. That's the pipe. Um, QVC. <laughs> QVC. Yeah. That's, yeah. What, that's what I picture off-air Masson to be like. Yeah. It's not far off. It's really like old, weird ESPN sports news that you're like not even sure who the people are or what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be dreadful. We do have one more question. Next page. Oh. Oh, first first episode where we've gone two pages. On Our the show pod talk is two pages long today. One more question at Ryan J. Morris 81 says, what more needs to happen for MLB to step in and do something about Angelos? Well, that's cogent. We just talked about Whoa. that. I don't MLB, know what the answer is. They can't technically step in. Um, owners can have a vote for them to force to sell. The only thing is they haven't really done anything that's really egregious that will put them in that situation as we're seeing with the NFL they're not even forcing Dan Snyder to sell so owners have to do something incredibly egregious for that to happen so Major League Baseball cannot step in and do anything about Angelos and they cannot step in and do anything about Masson because TV deals are for the team Major League Baseball did create this network and did make them sign that but that was just part of the agreement for them coming to D.C. So they cannot do anything. The only thing majorly, I mean, the Nats can do is start exploring their legal action and start suing. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. I think that's what they can do is file a new lawsuit against the Orioles and try to get out of the Masson deal. But, I mean, this the last one's been going on for, what, 10 years? I mean, there's no quick fix that's available to them, unfortunately. Yep. Super sucks. Yeah, so that's a depressing way to end the show, but I think that's all we've got for tonight. You guys got anything else before we get out of here? Uh, one last thing I wanted to mention. I tweeted it today, uh, but we are officially, you know, we are expanding. We had these plans last year, but obviously due to the shortened season pandemic, we didn't feel it was the right time. But things are looking good for this season, so we're expanding with a website, with more content, um, and that expansion includes more prospective members of the Hash Street High Heat team. So if you are interested, check out our Twitter. All of the information you need is on there. You can email us. It's uh, hshh.podcast at gmail.com if you're interested. Um, we're looking for anything, you know, writers, uh, whether it's, you know, actual articles or blogs, um, podcast contributors, uh, you know, anything. And any, if you feel like you can help and bring something to this pod, just reach out. Worst that we'll, we'll say is no, or just not at this time. That's all. But if you're interested, you want to join the team, please reach out, and you know, hopefully, you know, we, we can get you on board. Yes, absolutely. Hit us up, and you can do that at the um, at the email address that is on our Twitter, which is at halfstreethighheat.com. Or I'm sorry, at halfstreethighheat on Twitter. So you can find the email there. Make sure you uh, just send it in let us know what you think you know you can bring to the table and and we'll definitely check those all out um you can follow me on twitter i'm amanda at a white 7877 you can follow nick and ryan at half shack cap and at dc nat shack and make sure you follow opt he's always got the best highlights and videos at one pursuit takes um, monty's our blog contributor you can follow him at on the pod someday and uh, make sure you check us all out we really appreciate you guys listening as always have a great week later 
There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator Who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later Let's go Nats We've got a game to play We're gonna win today Let's go By the early light of dawn, well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are and bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Let's go Nats We've got a game to play, we're gonna win today Let's go You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.